0: Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. I am going to begin today, I know Scott has been doing the uh, overview of the Bible, so uh, he's in 1 Corinthians. So we are going to continue in 1 Corinthians, and we will finish that up today. And then we're going to cover 2 Corinthians today, and then a Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. We'll get through that much. Past, I'm, now, now, when I'm done here, we're probably taking the only opportunity we're going to have. When did I drop? Oh, bless you. I need that real bad anyway. Thank you so much. So anyway, um, we are going to leave for Branson right after church. For just a few days, we had hoped to leave a little before this, but it didn't work out. We'll be back very soon. In fact, we'll be back in less than two weeks. Uh, Pastor uh, Mike uh, will have the service the following week. He'll go through four or five more books of the Bible next week. Then I'll be back in the pulpit two weeks from today, and we'll do a few more of those. And then uh, David Husky will be in for the last Sunday. And then Scott will be back in the pulpit the following Sunday, and he'll do the book of Revelation. So. We'll be out of here. Okay, so we're just we're going to move things along a little bit there. Okay, uh, turn in your Bibles if you would to John fourteen twelve. Uh, my Bible's very big because it's large print or larger than most of yours. Jesus said this: "Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father." The first time I remember reading that scripture, I was a member of a Sunday school class, an adult Sunday school class, uh, in the church that we came out of. By the way, my wife's not here. It's not because she doesn't want to hear me preach, but she has But well, she may not want to hear me preach. But nonetheless, she had a coffin jag all night long and she's still having it. So she's in straight view back there in the lobby. And, uh, but anyway, I wanted you to know that's why she's not in here. If she was totally gone, I'd talk a lot about her, but i am got to be careful. Um, I, read this, I read this scripture. Uh, we were going around in, in the class, and everybody's taking turns reading two or three scriptures, and that was mine to read. I don't ever recall. I was very new in the things of God. I don't recall having read that before. And when I read it, I thought, what the heck is that talking about? What, what do you mean, do the works that he did? And you know, when you don't understand things, sometimes you never look into them. You just pass over them, assuming it's not to be understood. And, and, uh, but, but that verse of scripture only makes sense when you realize, and you've heard me say it before, you've heard Pastor Scott say it before, it only makes sense when you realize that Jesus did the works that he did, not as God, but as a man filled with the Holy Ghost and fully submitted to the Father. And you can never have the confidence, now I didn't say he wasn't God, okay, but, but what he did, he did as a man filled with the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and you'll never have the confidence and faith to receive that statement that Jesus made in John fourteen twelve until you understand that Jesus did what he did, not because he was God. Because as long as you think he did what he did as God, you'll never see yourself doing those things because you know you're not God. Isn't that true? So now concerning the miracles and the works that Jesus did, look at what he said in John 5, 19. If you put that up, John, he said... Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Now, that's called obedience. Amen. He's doing what he sees his father do, what he tells him to do. And that same obedience is going to be the, the key to you and I experiencing the success that, that Jesus wants us to have. I mean, if we're going to have a successful and prosperous life, we have got to learn to become obedient. Um, Turn to Matthew chapter 12. I want want you to read just a couple verses, verses, starting in verse 46. Starting in verse 46, it says, While he, referring to Jesus, was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brother stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. And he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward the disciples and said, here are, here are my bro- mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Being obedient to the will of God is what he's looking for. In all of us. Uh, Luke 6:46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Good question, isn't it? If Jesus is Lord, we need to let him be Lord. If he's Lord, we need to be obedient. And the purpose of this message this morning is to show you the benefits of obedience. Faith will not work without obedience. You can't overpower the will of God by saying, I'm going to use my faith that won't work that way. Isaiah chapter 1, uh, well, let me say this. The purpose of this message, again, I told you, is for, the, for understanding the benefits of being obedient to God. And uh, when we're obedient to God, just as Jesus was obedient to do the works of the Father, we are to be obedient to do the works of Jesus. See the chain of command, and it's our job to do it. And, uh, but obedience will bring personal blessings into our life as well as others. Isaiah 119, and we all know this, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He didn't say that was just for Old Testament people. He didn't say, well, that doesn't apply to the New Testament people. Obedience is the key to the greater blessings of God. So I want to look at a number of blessings that resulted from one act of obedience. And I know you've, you've heard different ones, including myself, preach this before. But turn with me to Luke chapter 5, please. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch.' But Simon answered and said to him, "'Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net.' And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I want to make a number of points from this scripture that we just read. Number one, as we just said, obedience brings great blessings into your personal life. Jesus got in the boat and then made a simple request to Peter, would you just shove off a little bit? Can I use your boat? Can I use your boat? And, you know, the purpose of that was, number one, when people are crowding around you, it's awful hard to speak to multitude when people are right in your face. He needed some space. And secondly, your voice carries over water, so it only made sense that, that he do what he did. So uh, he said, I, I want to use your boat. And Peter's obedience to Jesus' request is very important. Peter could have said, he legitimately could have said, you know what, I've been up all night, I've been fishing all night, and I'm pooped. I'm really tired. I don't want to have to wait until you're done doing what you have to do in order for me to go home. I don't know about Peter, but it seems to me a lot of people I know that work nights, when they come home, first thing they do is want to go to bed. And I think Peter would have had some justification saying no. But if he would have turned him down, look at what he would have missed. I mean, he would have missed out on that outstanding miracle with the fish. I know we got some good fishermen in this church, but I don't know how many of you have caught enough fish that the boat was going to sink. Uh, He would have missed out on being taught by the Master for three and a half years. He would have missed out on a divine change in the course of his life. He would have missed out on seeing all the miracles that Jesus performed. He he would have missed out on that awesome experience on the Mount of Transfiguration where he saw Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. That had to be awesome. He'd have missed out on that. And it was there he heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God probably said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And that would have got your attention. Only it was far better than that. I don't think, we don't know, what God, we don't know how it sounded. I don't think it was, well, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. I don't think that's the way, I don't think that's the way. God would have said it, but we don't know that. But remember this, God's greatest blessings come when we hear him in obeying. And thank God Peter obeyed and let him use the boat. He made, if he'd made the wrong decision, his entire life would have been different. Every bit of it. Many of us know people or have heard of people or may even be the person <laughs> whose, whose life was altered greatly because they made a wrong decision or their life has been dramatically changed for the better because they made a right decision. Even in the natural, there are people this day who bemoan lost opportunities. It's like the guy who quit playing drums for the Beatles because he didn't think they'd go anywhere. Ringo Starr is eternally grateful for that decision. Mr. Roebuck, who sold his share of Sears and Roebuck Company because he didn't think the company would make it and went on to become the largest department store for years and years and years until Sam Walton knocked him off the throne. Uh, There's many decisions that people regret. But there isn't a one of us who will regret a lost opportunity or a wrong decision if we're obedient to do what God says to do. We'll never regret it. Ask yourself this question. What's God asking me to do? What's, What's he been asking me to do? It may be a simple request. Don't put it off. Make up your mind to obey him. Oftentimes we know exactly what God wants us to do. We know exactly what he's asking of us. But for some reason we hold off in doing it. I want you to keep something in mind. What Jesus asked of Peter was a very, very simple thing. Would you just shove off a little bit? I want to use your boat. I want to talk to the people. I think sometimes we're waiting for some big thing from God, some some big thing that he's going to ask us to do, and yet we're missing that very first step of simple obedience to a simple request. I think you can walk into any good church in America or anywhere else and find that there are some people that God wants to use in a big way, but he can't because they won't do the little simple things that he's asking them to do. Number two. Obedience benefits other people as well as yourself. Peter's obedience was beneficial to other people. By allowing Jesus to use his boat as a platform, Peter helped people to hear God's word. Peter became a part of Jesus' ministry. I don't know if you thought of it that way, but do you realize that when you're obedient to God in your tithes and your offerings, that you're a part of this ministry? Even if you do nothing else in this church you're a part of this ministry, and I hope your involvement goes way beyond giving. We can't make it around here without people's involvement. But in just your tithing alone, you enable us to keep a facility and staff going that can minister to people. Not only by your giving are you part of this ministry, but because of what we do in this church and your giving as well to other ministries, uh, we're enabling other ministries, like Dennis Cook and Harley Fiddler, and the Caminettis, and the Pregnancy Resource Center, and Rama and Jesus is the Way Prison Ministry. We're enabling them to do what God has called them to do. We're a part of that ministry. And when we're obedient to tithe and give offerings, others are blessed. So not only were those who heard Jesus speak blessed, but I'm sure Peter's friends who were with him enjoyed catching those two boatloads of fish. Jesus always blesses others when we're obedient. It just happens that way. A father who's obedient to God blesses his family. The same with a mother who's obedient to God. A pastor who's obedient to God blesses his flock. An employer who's obedient to God blesses the employees. The employees who are a blessing uh, to God, by by honoring their employer, uh, they become a blessing to the employer and to others. Kenneth Hagan prospered. Uh, I'm talking about senior now. Because of his obedience to God, including God speaking to him one time and saying, "I want you to invest in something," he made an investment. Listen to God; God will speak to you about those things. God cares about what's going on in your financial life. He cares about what's going on in other areas, and He spoke to him to invest in something. And as a result of that, the money came in. And both he and I know Pastor Hagen for a while. I don't, of course, Brother Hagen has passed away, and I don't know at this point if they're still doing it. But Brother Hagan knew an awful lot of pastors back in his day when he was preaching. They had no retirement program. There was nothing. These guys lived week to week, never had a thing when they retired, and he would send them a check every single month out of his personal finances. So his being obedient to God not only blessed him with finances coming in, but he was able to bless others with it as well. Point number three. I did hold up three fingers, didn't I? I'm notorious for that. Point number four. Okay. (laughs) Obedience is far-reaching and does not always have to be rational. Obedience is far-reaching and does not always have to be rational. Sometimes God just wants you to be obedient. They're not easy things, but simple things. Raising your family, going to church, serving in the ministry of helps by helping in children's ministry or ushering or cleaning the church and all the other things that need to be done all of these things make you a part of jesus's ministry and brings blessings to other people but there are times when god may ask you to do something that seems unreasonable don't run from it look at verse four again when he had stopped speaking he said to simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch Now, on the surface, that might not seem like an unreasonable request or command, but keep in mind the best time to fish was at night. And Peter knew that because he was a professional fisherman. That's how he made his living. So no one knew that better than Peter did. That was a somewhat unreasonable request. And on top of that, they'd just come in from fishing. They'd caught nothing, and they'd just finished cleaning their nets. Evening's gone. No points scored. Unsuccessful. We start again. But look what what Peter said, verse 5. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. In other words, Lord, it doesn't seem reasonable. It doesn't seem logical. What you're asking me to do doesn't make sense. But nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. You all know, uh, no, you all don't know. Many of you know and have heard ad nauseum uh, some of our testimonies how God spoke to me at a, when I was sitting in a booth in a restaurant down in uh, Charleston, Illinois, talking to a man. He had ju- I was just brand new into this faith stuff, and this man uh, started giving me tapes for, about, from Kenneth Copeland. And I kept hearing Copeland talk about Kenneth Hagin. And he said, uh, I asked him one day, I said, who's this Kenneth Hagin that, that Brother Copeland's always talking about? And he told me who he was, and he said he just started a Bible school down in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, a couple of years ago. And as he's talking to me about it, the God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to go there. He didn't hear an audible voice. I just knew in my heart I was to go there. And uh, that's when some real excitement started happening around our house. Uh, But, you know... It wasn't until I set off for literature, and they don't say this anymore, as you all know. we got some graduates in here of Raymond that know this now. But I got a thing, a flyer back from them, saying, don't apply unless you know you're called to full-time ministry. I thought, wow. Now, I had done a little lay preaching in the church I was in. Uh, Me and Pam, Richard Duntman, a few other people, Ken Beatty. But full-time ministry? I didn't know I was called to full-time ministry, but I know this. God said to go there. So why would he send me to a school that says, don't come unless you're going to full-time ministry, unless I'm called to full-time? You ask, how did I get my call? That's how I got my call. Kind of weird. Didn't seem to make a lot of sense. And I'll tell you, Pam and I had just moved our family into the house we live in now. The house we live in now was bigger than we moved the family in. Life's backwards, isn't it? After the family moves out, you can afford to add on. And then you get to a point at our age, you're thinking, boy, I wish we could go back to that little house again. This thing's too big. And it's not a, we don't live in a mansion by a long shot, but from the kitchen to the bathroom is far enough. Uh, Anyway, you you get my point. But we just moved the family into that house. We loved it there. Uh, We were becoming very stable financially. And, and uh, things were going pretty well, and I got, now God says go to Raymond. Scott and Cheryl are, are preparing to go to, to be freshmen in high school. Lisa and Lori were going to be in sixth grade. This is a pretty major step, a pretty big change in your life. And, of course, when I talked to the kids about it, as I've often said, there was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, we're going to have to move in midstream of our school life, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But God's so good because by the time we left, they were all on board and ready to go. And I think they were all so much on board that one time we come back, they probably would have soon stayed down there a little longer. They got, they got very adjusted and, and liked it down there. On top of that, when I was clueless as to what I would do when I graduated from school. Full-time ministry is one thing, but what am I going to do? There's a lot of areas of full-time ministry. And back then, independent or non-denominational churches like this didn't exist much. We didn't know of any in this area, but we obeyed. And then when we got there, I remember going to church in Tulsa and uh, real early on, I'm not so sure it wasn't the very first Sunday that I walked in that building. God spoke to me and told me I'd pastor. I thought, wow, how's that going to happen? And you know the rest of the story. And what we see here today, everything here, what we see here today is a result of us saying yes to what seemed like an unreasonable request. Are you following me? And a whole bunch of you said yes to what seemed like an unreasonable unre- un- request. When God spoke to you and said, go and hitch your wagon up to that church that's meeting over in that gym in Ogden. That gym, that, that, that church that everybody thinks is weird. And some of you walked away from situations where your family thought you were weird. But you hooked up. This wouldn't be here just because we went to Raymond and started it. This would only be here because all of you came and, and helped us, <clears throat> and we worked together as a church to pull it off. you understand that? But it all starts with saying yes to something that may seem unreasonable. About two weeks before we left to come back to Illinois, two or three weeks in there, Pam had gone to church one night. I was working, and she'd gone to church one night, and she came home and said, unless you tell me to nix it, uh, We're going to give our piano away to a blind piano tuner. We had a piano, and pianos were important in our house because we had a piano player in our house who also gave lessons. And she said, I'm sitting behind this guy and I'm talking to him. I find out he's a piano player and he's blind, and God said, Give him our piano. And she said, Unless you tell me otherwise, he'll be coming out to pick it up. I said, Well, I hope he's not driving. And so I said, well, that's what God said. Do it. That's one less piece. We have to move back to Illinois, but now we've got to believe God for a piano. But when we got back home, the family had been renting our house, said, if you want to buy our piano, you can, because we really don't want to. I don't think we need it, or we're going to buy another one or something. So we got our our piano back. And I think it might have been a better piano, maybe not, than the one we had, but that worked out. I'm not using us as an example so you can say, well, aren't they wonderful in everything they did? I'm using us as an example because I know our stories better than I know your stories. And until you get the pulpit, I get to share my stories. Uh, but you can share your stories with anybody, and you should be st- sharing your stories with everybody, one-on-one or with anybody else, and how good God is. Uh, Pam, Pam uh, and I together, uh, you've heard me talk about, it. she was a manager in Tupperware. And we had to give up her Tupperware car, which was the only decent car we owned. And uh, because I needed her to help me. I couldn't do it anymore by myself. And she had a quota of of sales that she had to make in order to keep that car as a manager. And we said, we can't do both. I can't, I I just got to have you here. And she wasn't being paid to do any of that at the time with us. So anyway, we gave it up and just believed God would take care of it. And he did. Uh, I think the most interesting story in my mind, And I know many of you have heard it, and and just bear with me for those that haven't. But all this is taking place here now. What I'm talking about here now is before we went to Raymond. The the, the Tupperware car was after we come back from Raymond. But before we went to Raymond, Pam came home from work one day and said, well, yeah, I mean, we were just talking, but she said, honey, I won't do this without your permission. And how many of you know that's really important? Husband and wife get on the same page. That's so important. Don't, don't go running off saying, God told me to do this without making sure your spouse is on board with it. And uh, she said, I won't do this, but I know that God told me that we're to give $200 to the PTL club. And I thought, you've got to be kidding. For a number of reasons. Number one, this was 1977 probably. Uh, $200 was a lot of money. $200 is a lot of money today. But it was a whole lot of money back in 1977. It was one half of her monthly salary where she worked. It was getting near Christmas time. And we needed that money. We needed that money. On top of that, I didn't like Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. I couldn't stand to watch that show. I'm I'm sorry. I know that's a wrong attitude. I just didn't like them. Tammy Faye just... and, And I got a pastor friend out in California. After she and Jim divorced, she went out there... And she was part of his church and he said she was he did her funeral. He said that was one of the sweetest ladies you'd ever meet in your life. I just couldn't get by the past of the makeup. There was three inches of makeup all over her, and I was convinced she scraped that off. Jimmy Hoffa was there. And I thought, We're giving two hundred dollars to them. But I trusted her ability to hear from God. So I said, Well, okay. I mean, I know we gotta do this in faith, and we did it. Now, here's the rest of the story. We sent it off. We got some Bibles back. I mean, he was offering things, you know. And, and uh, before we went to Ramah, Pam's dad was very upset that we were going there. He didn't understand it. We are. I'm telling him, talking to him about it in the living room. I remember it well. He, he drank uh, a lot. And he's sitting there, and he finished one beer. Well, does this school believe in faith healing? Well, yeah, we believe healing by faith. Got up and went out in the refrigerator, pulled the tab on another can of beer, and came back and sat down, and he's drowning. He's unhappy about the whole thing. Shortly after we got the rain of the Jim Jones, remember the Jonestown incident? That broke loose. He's calling Pam. Honey, if he's got you in a cult, I'll come down and get you out of it. Pam said, I'm not in a cult. We're in a good Bible school. Well, I don't like what's going on. I mean, he thought we were part of something weird and so on. That same year, he came home from his evening shift. It was late at night, and he was just, I'm sure, drinking a beer and just channel surfing. Back in those days, this is the way you channel surf. <laughs> and he comes across the PTL club, and he would have probably passed right on by except Oral Roberts was on there. And I'm sure he didn't believe in a thing Oral Roberts did, but he's nonetheless just thought he'd listen to it for a minute. And Oral Roberts starts talking about the the miracles that he'd seen by faith, the healings that had taken place. And God convicted him of something. And this dad, who thought we were nuts, gets on the phone the next day and calls us and said, when you kids come home for Christmas, I want you to pray for my healing." Now, that may not be a big deal to you. That was huge to us, and it was huge to her. And uh, so, right there, was that worth $200? Worth a whole lot more than that. When we came home, we were wondering, I wonder if he's gotten past the emotion of it, and he'll still follow through. First thing he said when we walked in the door that day, he said, I haven't forgot what I asked you to do, and I want you to pray for me. We went upstairs and prayed for him. We didn't even know for sure what he was even fighting. And Pam put her hand on an area in his back or chest, and I don't remember which, which turned out to be the exact area he was having a problem, and God healed him. Now, he didn't stay healed because he continued to smoke. He continued to do other things that took him back. But that particular thing that he was praying about, God took care of it. It always pays to obey God, whether it seems rational or whether it doesn't. And he may ask you to do something that doesn't seem logical, but it will not go against the principles of his word. Point number four, obeying God will always make you a winner, but it always will not be instant. There's no way you can obey God without being a winner. There's no way you can disobey God without being a loser unless you repent and then obey. You need to keep in mind that very fact because there will be times when the devil will come to you and say, you are obedient. Look what's going on in your life. Nothing's working. Nothing's working. And he'll try to take certain circumstances and make you think the blessings of obedience will not come, but they will. Galatians 6, 9. If you'll put that up there. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Do good. Obey God. Do what he says in due season. We'll reap. When Brother Hagen was pastoring for 12 years, God spoke to him to go out on the road and begin an itinerant ministry. And he went out there without a dime in his pocket. If you've ever heard any of his stories, he's got some interesting stories to tell about going into churches and receiving very little, if anything. Sometimes the pastors didn't even give him any money to eat on and so on. But he just went out there. But during that time he was on the road, God spoke to his heart and said, I will make you rich. Now, that's a pretty hard promise to buy when you're barely scratching, getting by at all. But God said, I'll make you rich. Now, he was almost in his 60s before that began to manifest. But it happened. And as a result, he blessed many, many people. He was one of the biggest contributors to Rainbow Bible Training Center himself. And uh, so I'm, I'm telling you, you know, and he had many years after that to enjoy it. Because he lived to be 85, I believe, or 86. So uh, God's promises will come. They just don't always come just exactly as quickly as we might— or answers will come, but they won't come as quickly as we may always want them to come. Number five, and I know by now you're starting to wonder, I wonder how many of these there are. Uh, I only got 17 more, so bear with me. Uh, Just a couple more, okay? Uh, God's power is released through obedience. God's power is released through obedience. Peter witnessed a great miracle in his life when he obeyed the Lord. And this catch of fish nearly sank two boats. This miracle-working power was released when when Peter said, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, I want you to see something here that I think is very important. Based upon what Peter said about, hey, we have toiled all night, we haven't caught anything, you know, I think it's safe to say that Peter did not lower those nets with a great expectancy of catching any fish. Wouldn't you say? He's a professional fisherman. He said, we did what we're supposed to. We caught nothing. However, you say, put down the nets, we'll do it. I don't think there was any faith involved on Peter's part. Would you agree with that? Peter's not necessarily exemplifying great uh, faith, but he sure is giving us an example of great obedience. There have been times when God has spoken to you to do something and you couldn't bring yourself to do it because I just don't have the faith to do it. Do it anyway. Just be obedient. That's when we just simply need to say, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'll obey your word and do it. Now, if it doesn't line up with principles of the word, don't do it. If God says, go to the nearest building and jump off, say, well, that don't make sense, I'll do it. No, don't do it. You're not going to find that in the Word. Okay? And so just, just learn to be obedient, whether you feel some great anointing on you to do something or not. Just be obedient to do it. And, and I want you to think about it because Peter's obeying God here led to greater and more manifestations of God's power. He went on to see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, feed the 5,000, Walk on water. Peter himself came to the point where he could walk on water before he got into paying more attention to the waves than he did the word. Uh, it got to the place where people were healed by Peter's own shadow. Church, none of, none of those things, none of those things would have happened had he be, not began with that first simple act of obedience when Jesus said, I want to use your boat." None of those things would have happened. We've got to obey God in the little simple things if we're to see the greater power of God manifested in our life. Praise and worship team, come on up. I'm going to go with point number six. Obedience will many times revolutionize your life. Number six. Obedience will many times revolutionize your life. This simple act of letting Jesus use his boat brought about the opportunity to hear Jesus preach, and it brought about the opportunity to see this wonderful miracle of this boat-sinking sinking loaded fish. The Holy Ghost then took those things to bring about conviction in Peter's life. Verse 8, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. This obedience caused Peter's life to change dramatically. Every time we obey God, it will cause our life to change for the better. It may not look like it, may not be that way at first, but it will always make it better. And that certainly includes obeying that which is revealed to us through his word. It may not only be something he's speaking to you in spirit, it's something you're seeing in the word, and you know that it's for you. Quit looking for the deep truths of of God until you've obeyed and acted on the simple ones. Amen? Listen, church. Obedience will bring a freshness into your life and into your relationship with God that may not have previously been there. If God's Word isn't real to you, look into your heart. Look into your heart and find out what you're not doing. What area are you not obeying God? God will show you if you're really sincere about it. Take care of it. Make the necessary adjustments. His word will become live to you again. Obeying God can result in dramatic changes in your life. And there may be something fairly small that you're not doing, but God's been dealing with you about. And if you suddenly do it, you could see a dramatic change in your life, far above what you might be thinking. Obedience will change your life but it'll always be for the better. Peter became a fisher of men. I would say that's a pretty big life change, wouldn't you? (laughs) Remember, it always pays to obey God. You can't obey obey God and not be supernaturally blessed. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.